0: good morning everyone welcome to another episode of the what's up webcast my name is kevin lagore i'm your host i guess that would be um and the what's up webcast takes place every friday 10 a.m pacific right here at the Skywatcher usa youtube channel we cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks for imaging and observing and of course we have a special guest on at the end of the month to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy now, this week, we are actually going to be talking about observatories, and that's something I think a lot of us are would always dream about having. Um, but beforehand, uh, real quick, if you like what you see here at the What's Up webcast, please subscribe to the channel, maybe leave a like on one of the videos, and if you have any questions that maybe we didn't cover or there's a topic you want to check out, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, We'll be happy to check any of those out for you. And just a reminder, if you do uh, message us with an idea and you don't see that in the immediate future, we normally plan these episodes out per quarter. So, like right now, we're already booked all the way pretty much till the end of the year. So, any uh, requests or ideas that we want to get from you guys and we want to roll with, You probably won't see that until the first part of next year. So just, we're not ignoring your request. It just, we have a schedule and we want to make sure we get everything in there. So just a heads up. Now, today, uh, of course, we are actually talking about observatories. And uh, I think ultimately many of us can agree that that's a dream. Uh, Many of us would love to have something in our backyard or somewhere, whether it's a remote observatory or in our backyard, or maybe just a site that we share. I know there's some groups out there that buy land and you can either live out there or you can host your observatory there or whatever, but a permanent location where we can keep our equipment, that would be a dream. And you know, many of us uh, either maybe have that already, or maybe we're planning on doing that, or Maybe you just, again, maybe you're just dreaming about it. Um, Your own personal observatory is kind of the ultimate, uh, really the ultimate playhouse for an amateur astronomer. It's somewhere where you can keep your equipment at the ready all the time, you know, and it's just there. I think the big hassle for a lot of us is, and I know that one of the big excuses for a lot of people is, oh, the weather's been bad, or oh, I've been busy, and I have two little kids at home, I definitely understand, you know, things definitely change in the schedule on when you can get out and use your equipment, and it's not always convenient, and it might affect your hobby uh, or your images or whatever you're doing. It affects the amount of time that you're investing in uh, the hobby. So, for those who have the capability or the luxury of having an observatory, that's awesome. And if it's something you're looking into, it's definitely um, worth taking a look at it. But there's some things that we want you probably want to consider before jumping into something like this. Again, you want something that's going to be able to protect your equipment uh, from the elements, you know, I have a, I have a set of 365 covers that work exceptionally well. And if you don't have an observatory, the 365 covers uh, are probably the best you can get. And it's the next step down from actually owning an observatory. So, you know, if you don't have the ability to do that, take a look at those covers. You can at least keep it up uh, temporarily and it does protect it pretty well from the elements um, and then, of course, like I said before, no need to set up your equipment every night. You know, recalibrate. I know, as someone who does astrophotography, the thing I hate the most is taking flat frames. You know, every time you disassemble your system, you've got to redo it. you got to redo your alignments, all that. So having a permanent setup, or even a semi-permanent setup, makes that worlds easier. Because you can just go on out, turn your gear on, and start going you don't have to mess around with any of that um on any given night uh but as i said before there's a lot of things um uh, i've worked with a lot of people that have observatories you know i have a remote observatory that i share with uh, other people that we use a lot and there's a lot of stuff to consider uh when getting into it and not all your problems just up and vanish either there's there's a lot of things to consider and it's a constant project it's not just one and done and it's over uh so these are just some things that i've learned along the way and hopefully maybe it'll help you and there's some obvious stuff that i never thought about until really getting into some of this stuff that uh people should probably know so let's just jump right into it shall we uh so considerations let's just start right there First is, how much space do you have to work with? You know, how much room do you have? Is it going in your backyard? You know, do you only have a little section of the backyard you can use? Do you have a big backyard? Maybe you can get more space. But yeah, how much space do you have to work with? Like what, you know, some neighborhoods have an HOA, so you might just be screwed from the get-go where they won't let you build it at all because a lot of HOAs, people that I've uh, worked with, who have an hoa and they say they want to put like an observatory dome in their backyard that gets shot down real quick um, because they just don't like it so um, but yeah you have to consider where you're going to be putting your observatory and what kind of footprint that's going to take up in that location so that may dictate the design you go with Uh, what do you want to put in it now this is a big one because You know, I think all of us have a setup right now that's like, oh, it would be so much easier if I just had this in an observatory. But let's say you build that observatory and you put that setup in it, but maybe in the future you want to change it. And, you know, we switch equipment out all the time, don't we? You know, maybe you have multiple telescopes that you want to mess with, or maybe you've been eyeing and saving up for something bigger uh, or longer or whatever it is. You want to consider future possibilities of that observatory so i see there's a lot of people out there that you know observatory let's just be cut right to the chase observatory is a very large investment it's it's a considerable amount of money to build one and you know even if that's a couple thousand dollars but it's still several thousand generally to unless you really know how to get around it observatory is a big investment a lot of people will build what they have to a lot of people will build one to what they currently own but then you're stuck if you want to be able to grow and you know maybe in the future you want to put something in there that might not fit make sure that whatever you might be considering in the future will fit in that observatory because let's be honest you're probably not gonna build another observatory you know to accommodate that larger instrumentation so make sure you're probably building it a little larger than you might need. And always consider the future possibility of what you could want to put in there. Uh, Another one is how permanent do you want it to be? Um, You know, there's some kits out there on the market that are semi-permanent. You know, you can make them to where, you know, they are a permanent installation, but you can easily break them down. If you're going to move, you know, I know that's one of the big issues of some of the larger observatories is, let's say you are going to move. What do you do with that observatory? You know, that's probably just because it's your dream doesn't mean it's the next owner of the house's dream to have that. So um, that's something to consider. You put all this money into it and then maybe you have to move or whatever. Um, Maybe that's not going to come with you. So... I don't know that's something you want to think about is are you gonna to want to be able to break that system down and take it to the next location um, that's a big one to think about another one is how much visibility do you want or need I understand that some locations it's like you've got 14 trees from your neighbor that are blocking Polaris or whatever there's some section of sky that's obstructed but an observatory is also going to be an obstruction depending on the design so how much sky do you want to have access to i know we want all of it but you can't have your cake and eat it too for the most part and then of course where is it going to sit um i should have probably just put this one up that kind of uh, goes up on the top one where it's how much space do you want to work with but you have to choose where on your property or wherever it's going to be where is it going to sit Uh, you want to make sure you do have easy access to it you want to make sure that you've got enough access to get equipment in and out and then of course you want to make sure you have enough sky access from your property to make it worth uh, building something like that so those are just basic things that you want to consider i know a lot of that seems super obvious but that's kind of why we're just going over this designs so i think most of us know there's two fundamental designs of an observatory um number one is the dome very classic very i think very professional looking um and of course then there's the roll-off uh not as and personally not as cool looking as a dome but it's way more functional uh for many people to go with a roll-off roof and we're going to break it down um, each design's going to have advantages and disadvantages which we'll cover here uh both of them are going to easily house your equipment. So it's it's not like one is better than the other. It's more uh, a choice of taste and what requirements you might need and what's going to obviously fit your budget as well. And then, if, you know, we all want to know what the best option is going to be. It really, again, comes down to what your needs are. So uh, let's just jump into the two types. So first one is domes. We'll just start there. A dome is very nice. I think a lot of us really like that look of it. Uh, it does look like something on a f- distant mountaintop. You know, even if I've gone over to my friends' houses, the ones who have had uh, dome observatories or have gotten to go into an observatory dome, um, that is something. I think it's really kind of cool to be able to just sit in a dome. It makes it look very official. Um, You kind of wonder what they could be doing in there, like what they're observing. I always think of of it that way. You know, when the slit is open and it's dark out, it's like, what what are they observing or viewing or what could they be doing? I just think domes look really neat. Um, But a big advantage of the actual dome design, it has a small footprint. So it will only take up what the initial dome takes up. Uh, there's no major moving extended parts like we'll get into in the roll-off roof it sits within its basic footprint it's no bigger than that for the most part so that's kind of uh something to think about they are more compact uh, like i said so smaller footprint uh they do offer a better protection when you're observing in them it reduces stray light because you are baffled against any stray light there and it also protects better against wind because the telescope is in housed or encased um, in the dome there so it does offer a higher level of protection um, from stray light and uh, wind if you're going to be observing however you do want to keep in mind that your seeing conditions of the telescope can also be affected because as the wind or temperature variation in front of the actual slit of the dome uh, passes by, it's going to be different cuz a lot of times the temperature might be different inside the dome than it is outside. So you want to make sure they are acclimated. Um, but the wind can kind of you know ripple across the front of the slit there and might affect your seeing a little bit but that's you know depends on a lot of other variables as well a nice thing about some of the smaller domes is they're easily available uh and they you can get them in a variety of different kits as well as custom options uh, from a multitude of manufacturers out there so some here's some considerations when you're uh Thinking about a dome number one is they tend to be limited to one pier or mount or whatever you've got in there you don't have to use a pier which we'll get in there but you're generally limited to one major telescope system um, in there generally for imaging purposes you're probably gonna want to have it you know automated so as the telescope tracks across the nighttime sky in an observatory dome, you, for the most part, only have a small section of sky that you're observing because you're inside the dome. So you're only seeing what's in that, you know, visible through that slit in the dome itself. As the telescope tracks across the sky, the dome generally has to keep up with it. Now, usually, you would want to motorize that. Especially if you're going to be doing like an automated imaging system where you're probably not going to be there all night, you know, having to nudge the dome. Visually, uh, if you have a dome, I guess it's not that big of a deal. You could just move it manually. Some of the more affordable backyard kits, you can just move them manually and make the adjustments yourself. Oh, sorry. Um, but if you're going to be doing astrophotography, it's probably going to be something that you're going to want to have synced through software Um, there's a lot of softwares out there that will sync it up Uh, a lot of these kits nowadays do have like an automation feature uh, but that is going to add to the expense and complexity of the observatory dome Uh, so that's something you want to think about there is it might be harder to automate uh, especially if you're an imager and you need that capability another thing is positioning of the pier inside of a dome is a little bit more critical uh, generally, you want the telescope to be as centered in the dome as possible, so it has access. So if you have like an equatorial fork mount, that pier is going to be offset a little bit. So the telescope is in the center, but the pier is offset. Um, and a lot of dome companies do kind of show the, or will give you ideas on how to kind of center uh, the telescope regardless of the design. I know Planewave, I think, has a calculator like that as well that kind of helps calculate offsets uh, for the pier. I guess if you just have a tripod in there, it's not the end of the world. But in order for you to synchronize a dome for automation, it needs to know where the positioning of the telescope is going to be. So centering that telescope can be important um, for that. So that's another thing you really want to consider when doing a dome. And We already talked about the offset there. Kind of got it ahead of myself uh the nice thing about a dome is if the pier is high enough the telescope normally sits up inside the dome structure so it can work by getting lower into the horizon Uh, generally you're probably not going to want to image or observe below 20 degrees Uh, depending on the object you might not have an option but sometimes a dome can provide a better way to get further down lower and onto the near the horizon there uh, because of the access of how the telescope can get down Uh, especially you have a observatory that's got like a lower south wall like this observatory does at uh, three rivers foundation the lower section here can be dropped and they can actually get the telescope pretty far down there to observe objects further in the south Uh, so that's a nice thing about a dome is it can almost give you as much space as possible as far as observing the nighttime sky. Um, And if you're doing solar observation, a dome is really nice because it keeps you out of the heat of the day. You can shade yourself by one of the sections and only be observing the sun through the slit there. So if you're doing solar, uh, a dome is actually kind of nice because of the protection that it also gives you there. Again, a lot of this is really going to be dependent on the pier height and the dome design, but it can give you good access to the sky. Um, here is one of the most popular observatories on the market. This is the Skyshed Pod. They do make a bigger one now that looks more of traditional. Um, the pods are kind of neat. You can get them for a couple thousand dollars. Um, they're just like that press-fit plastic Um it's kind of almost like a kid's jungle gym. Uh, but they're really nice, actually. I've had a couple friends who have them. And if done right, they, they can work just as well as any other observatory, especially when they're sealed up. I believe they're only about 8 feet wide. So you you can get some serious stuff in there. This one has a Paramount MX and a Officina Stellare uh, 250 Richie Cretion in it. Um, but it, it can fit some of the most of the major telescopes on the market on this uh one thing about the pods is they have kind of this clamshell design so half of the roof kind of rolls back into the other half so you get about half the sky in one section there now and that rolls so you can actually rotate whatever position of the sky the only problem is is if you want to image or observe at zenith You'd have to get this little table that they sell, which actually lets you push the roof off and actually get up to Zenith. So it's a compromise um, on something like this, where it's not a truly traditional uh, dome. But the nice thing about it is, you know, you're probably looking at about a 10 foot square and... That's about all it's going to take up in the backyard there is like 10 or 12 feet uh, square there. Unless you get like their add-on sections that are like, you know, bins and you can put stuff in them and stuff like that. So that's kind of neat. Um, But it's a fairly small footprint. So you can get away with one of these for only a couple grand. And sometimes you can catch them on the used market if you want to as well. But it's kind of a cool uh, thing. If you're just looking for something basic, it's definitely a step above a cover Um, this is probably the most intro level of observatories at the moment so kind of a cool thing but one of the things I will mention on this and I know someone brought this up is you also want to make sure you have room to do whatever you want to do in it you know if you're doing imaging maybe you're not going to be sitting in the dome at that point um, as the telescope moves around and the bigger the telescope you go that room needs to be utilized by the telescope when it's in use. So, if you want to actually hang out in the observatory while the telescope is in use, you're gonna to have to take that into consideration because, especially with these more affordable observatory options, there's not gonna be a lot of room once the telescope's moving and doing its thing in there. Um, you know, an eight foot dome is a pretty good size dome for most average telescopes. But the minute you put your imaging system on or whatever and you pack a couple people in there, it gets really tight. So that's something to think about as well. You want uh, the type of observing and how many people on a given time you plan to have in the observatory is probably going to dictate this a little bit more. I'm going to go to full screen here just to kind of let you guys get the maximum resolution on some of this stuff. But I'll still be talking back here. So that's one thing you want to think about with these little observatories is, am I going to need more people in there? And if that's going to be the case, just remember it will get tight. Um, One of the newer uh, manufacturers on the market is Nextdome. This is Dylan O'Donnell's observatory, the Byron Bay Observatory down in Australia. Uh, Real quick thing I do want to mention, we are having Dylan O'Donnell on at the end of November, uh, but because of the time change, it has to be pre-recorded. We are going to be doing that recording probably in the next week. So if you have any questions you'd like us to ask Dylan uh, for that episode, please email info at skywatcherusa.com and we can get that going in there so uh this is the next dome uh next dome is still an eight foot dome i think they're planning on doing a bigger one at some point too you'd have to go to their website but um a next dome is similar to like a pod it comes in a kit it shows up it's a couple thousand dollars this one you can actually automate but the one i like about this is it's an actual traditional dome it has the um, slit there and it actually goes pretty far back so you actually do have access to the zenith in comparison to the pod that's it's just a compromise there um, both work very well um, but if you are into imaging and you want to do automation uh, the next dome is probably going to be the best option because they do have like a whole automation kit um, for this and if you want to know any more about it i would go check out dylan o'donald's star stuff youtube channel He goes over all of the uh, kit and all the fun stuff that they do with the next dome. So, that's a really cool option um, out there. And those two are probably the most affordable options. Again, they're both about eight foot domes. So, they're going to house most of the average stuff that's on the market. Um, But if you need to go bigger and you need to go more exotic, then you have to go, the expense goes up very quickly after you leave the eight foot domes um astro haven is another one this one is like a clamshell design so it's kind of like a roll-off roof where the whole roof actually comes down a lot of universities like these um these ones because the roof completely opens up you could technically put multiple systems in here uh this one has a cd uh plane wave cdk 17 on a paramount me2 i don't know the diameter of that one but it's a fairly large astro haven dome Uh, These are also really good for like automation because it's kind of difficult to get in and out of these observatories for viewing purposes. So if you're doing something that's more remote, you don't need to have people in it uh, and you really need to house something larger. Um, And Astro Haven is a very nice option, um, but it's it's fairly expensive for some of their stuff in comparison to the two more affordable options. And then probably the most professional one out there is the ash domes. Uh, Ash dome has been around for a long time. They build observatory domes for a lot of the smaller professional observatories. I would say like the 1.5 meter-esque class um, of stuff. I just got a text from my buddy who actually helped set this observatory up. Uh, this is a 12 and a half astro haven, 12 and a half foot astro haven so that's what that one is uh so this sorry next one this is the ash domes ash dome is probably the pinnacle for pro level observatories they can make pretty much anything you want um, i've seen a number of the plane wave uh, cdk 1000s the one meter plane waves uh, when they install they generally have an ash dome uh, this one right here is out in Texas. This is the Three Rivers Foundation again. This is a 28-foot ash dome uh, with a 15-inch refractor. That's an AP Astrophysics 3600 mount. This is a massive telescope, by the way. If you ever get a chance to use it, it's huge. Um, but that's if you need something real big, custom, automated, the ash dome is basically absolute pro level uh at that point but you are going to pay for it but uh that's kind of it for the domes those are just some basic considerations uh for that now roll off roof this one is something that I think we hear about the most probably because it's you know open to a lot of different configurations. Uh the nice thing about a roll off roof is it's completely open to the nighttime sky. Um, which means you can do a wide range of configurations, including large telescopes as well as big Dobbs. Um, the picture you see here, this is also the Three River Foundation. Uh, this is their thirty-inch obsession uh, Dobsonian, and this is its roll-off roof observatory there. So um, they could probably they do fit a couple other Dobbs in there, big ones like twenties uh, and 18s. There's a couple that are in there. Uh, But the 30-inch daub that's present uh, right there easily fits in this big roll-off. I don't know how big the roll-off actually is. It's been a while since I've been out there. But, you know, if you've got a club or something like that and you have a big daub that you want to house somewhere, a big roll-off roof would probably be the most cost-effective way to do that. Another big thing about a roll-off roof is you can put multiple piers, multiple systems um, inside of it, depending on how big it is. You can actually, a lot of remote observatories actually squish a lot of piers in there so they can house a lot of things. But that's also, uh, for a remote observatory, they're not super concerned about having people inside of there. So each, generally the way a remote observatory works, that's a roll-off, is each pier is given x amount of real estate you know seven eight foot uh circle to have the telescope exist within and that way they know they have enough room between each setup that they're not going to run into each other which is another big consideration if you're doing multiple piers is you want to have enough room to where the telescopes can run completely separate of each other and never have the uh even remote issue of that of those hitting each other that should not even be a consideration if your observatory is that tight you need to be exceptionally careful um, that the telescopes do not hit one another um, in there so but a roll-off roof especially a large roll-off roof can be much more customizable from um, multiple telescopes uh, as you can see here this was the falling Eagle observatory this is out at the skies away remote site uh, this is it's a I think it's a 10 or 12 by 14 it's got two piers in there, Um, two Esprit 150s are sitting in there, and they have plenty of room to swing around, you can have a couple people in there, and they still have room to do what they need to do, so, you know, but this observatory also has room to grow, um, to put a larger system in there if we needed to, so that's, um, you know, one that you could take a look at, something like that. Uh, as far as automation goes, a roll-off roof is pretty simplistic. The only kind of automation you would need is to open or close the roof. Um, you don't have to have that sink capability like a dome is going to. As the telescope moves, it's not looking at one little slit or slice of sky. You have the complete axis of the nighttime sky there. So all you really need to do is have some kind of motor to open and close or just walk out there and open and close The observatory there you don't have to have some kind of special software to keep it positioned with the telescope anymore so that's another advantage is the simplicity um, for an automation side of things Uh, another thing is roll offs are pretty easy to and are pretty easy to build with off-the-shelf stuff it's basically a modified shed so you know you can have a shed and then design it to where the roof rolls off you know there's a lot of ways you can approach it it's it's a pretty simplistic idea you just have to make sure that the supports for the roof are there um at that point but it's it's not as difficult um especially if you're in need of making a big observatory it can be much more accommodating uh for larger telescopes but more uh cost effective to do a roll-off because if you have a telescope like this big 30-inch dob here you know that is a massive swing radius right there. That thing is probably 10 feet long, maybe 12 feet long in one direction. So let's say you have like a 25 foot operating uh, circle that that telescope has to exist within. You're talking a 30 foot dome, which is crazy expensive, or you'd have to know how to make one um, of that size. Uh, A roll off would be a bit easier at that point. So now just some considerations for a roll off as well uh a roll off is going to require a larger footprint that's because the roof actually needs to roll off the the entire building and out onto a set of outriggers which is actually one word um i fixed that in the other slides um so it's you're almost doubling the footprint of the observatory with a roll-off roof because you have the building itself and then you have the outrigging system where the roof actually rolls out too. so you're almost twice the size of so if it's a 10 by 10 your footprint's probably going to be something like a 10 by 20 at that point so that's one disadvantage i would say of a roll-off roof in comparison to a dome is the footprint is going to be larger right off the bat also this is one of the more obvious things that when you think about it, but it's also best to have the roof roll north. Um, you could you can let it roll whatever way you want, but the big thing for us here uh, ultimately is we want to have as much exposure to the southern part of the sky because a lot of those objects will not rise any higher Um than they are when they get to the meridian so let's say we want to image like omega centauri or we want to view omega centauri for a lot of us here in the southern us that object only gets a handful of degrees above the horizon and if our roof rolled to the south and it doesn't roll far enough back you're going to obstruct that now the northern part of the sky you have the north you have the North Star, Polaris, but everything rotates around Polaris. So eventually, if it's too low, it's just going to rise higher. And later in the evening or later in the season, you'll be able to easily access whatever that object is. So having the roof roll north will actually allow you to have to reduce the, the amount the roof has to roll back. So you don't. it's not as big of a deal if we have some kind of obstruction in the north. So your outrigger system doesn't have to be as far back and uh, then you still get the Southern uh, horizon. That's ideal. Uh, Obviously some locations, maybe your backyard, you're limited. um, It just doesn't work as well uh, for some locations. So you just kind of make do with what you've got, but generally you would like to push out uh, to the North and not, the south you could probably do east or west um, if i had to pick one i'd probably do west because by the time you get to the west um you've probably had a bunch of time to get that object but it all depends on your site and your location but last resort is rolling the roof to the south um another thing about it is a roll off roof can be a little bit more of an obstruction because it's it's a building um and the walls are generally not going to move so with a dome you actually have the telescope sitting higher in the dome you know with a pier or whatever or a tripod whatever you're going to use and it lets you get lower into the sky but a roll-off roof you're generally going to have you know the walls are just going to be there you can't go below the wall um at that point so it's, it might obstruct a little bit more. Generally, you're not going to be viewing or imaging below 20 degrees anyway, so you can kind of plan accordingly to have that um, you know, not obstruct any more than 20 degrees high. Uh, wind can also be a factor. You don't have the shielding of a dome anymore. Um, the walls will shield from wind. Um, it's better than it just being out in the field or something like that. So you do get some... Uh, shielding but it's not going to be as good um, as say a dome another thing positioning of the pier and telescope if multiple systems are in use we kind of covered that earlier but you really want to make sure if you've got multiple systems in your observatory that they all have enough room to coexist inside of there without any of them even remotely coming close to one another Um, I know there's some observatories out there that I've seen people do where they're trying to squeeze as much into it. And you've got some counterbalance just to keep it centered where you want it to. That's a possibility. But if you have an observatory where things are so packed and you don't have enough room to do what you want to do, you're running the risk of getting either hurt. uh, You got a lot of weight moving around in there. Someone's going to get hit in the head with something if you're not paying attention or you're just not going to have enough room for it to do what it needs to do. And the last thing you want is your systems to run into each other. So make sure you've got enough room inside there to do what you want to achieve. And, you know, that's something that you need to approach when you're finally going to do that. Another advantage that you could do uh, real quick is, especially, this is why you want to have the southern uh, portion not... You don't want to have the roof roll to the south because if you do need to get more southern exposures, you can put in a drop wall. Um, This is our buddy Brian out at Skies Away Remote Observatories. This is their large observatory. Uh, It has a drop wall on it on the south. So they can drop that wall and they can open it up to have even better exposure to the southern horizon if you need uh, access to that. Now, here's inside that observatory. There are six piers in this one. I think I think Brian's watching, but you could go up onto the Skies Away Remote website if you're interested in knowing more. I think it's 16 feet wide, 24 feet long for this observatory. And he actually has a really unique design where he's got this uh, metal roofing there where he doesn't actually need to park any of the telescopes that will be inside this observatory. Usually in a roll off, you probably depending on how close to the roof you're going to be, your telescope might actually have to be parked in a certain position so it doesn't get hit by the roof. This one was designed where you don't have to park it, so you could easily work on some of the telescopes inside of there. Uh, this is my buddy Tony Lacante. He's out here in Arizona. Um, he built this observatory. I don't remember if it was end of 2019 or in 2020. Um, it's kind of a cool design. It's a roll-off roof, um, but it kind of rolls back on itself. I don't know the size of it, but he's got enough room in there to have his C-11 and a refractor he's going to be putting in there. He's got a CGXL mount in there. There's no pier, it's just the tripod, but at least it gives him a, uh, area that he can keep his telescope set up without having to use a cover and it's weather sealed and stuff like that. So, uh, that's something that's kind of neat. It's kind of a different roll-off roof design, but nonetheless, it's still a roll-off roof, and that works good for him. And you can see Telescope is parked north, and then the way it's designed is he does have this open slot here, which would be south, which is going to give him an improved uh, southern horizon. So that's kind of a cool uh, section there as well. Uh, this is Celestron's observatory. Uh, it's called the Jolapeka uh observatory they actually have two it's one building uh they have a i can't remember which ones they have a dome and then they have a roll-off roof um this is the roll-off roof side uh this one it's really kind of a cool observatory i like what they've done with it um but it's a roll-off roof this is where they can test mounts and stuff like that um we did a live stream of the of an eclipse several years ago from there um and use the roll off to do the the live stream. <laughs> uh, general design considerations. I know there's a lot of questions. I think we'll probably have enough time to talk about them here in a little bit. This is a bigger presentation, but let me just blow through this, and then we'll get to the questions on all of that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. General uh, consideration number one is the floor. Uh, so there's two ways to do the floor. There's a subfloor design, which A lot of the major roll-offs uh use uh this is where the piers are basically completely separate from the actual observatory themselves so the piers are going to be concrete they come up through the floor and then the floor is just uh, supported by big wood raptors and they have uh, plywood flooring around it uh, this isolates the telescopes completely from any vibration, so if you're going to be working around in the observatory while things are moving around, um, it's it doesn't matter at that point because the piers are separate. Another thing about this is because it's not a solid concrete block that you're standing on, it reduces heat buildup from the concrete during the day. So that concrete's gonna absorb all that warmth and heat during the day, and then at night it's gonna dissipate it, which is going to affect your seeing conditions as the night progresses, because it has to cool off. It's a big heat sink. Um, there is something simplistic about that, because you can just throw a big pad down, um, but it's not ideal, particularly if you're gonna be using large, heavy systems, which might be more susceptible to vibration. So a subfloor that's just made of wood And then the piers on their own is kind of the best part. Here's how that actually works. This is the remote observatory I use. Um, So there's the outer housing. And then the piers are completely separate from the building themselves. And then there's a wood floor that actually exists around them now. Um, A solid floor, again, is just a big slab of concrete. And you can still isolate the pier from that. Some of the solid floors... I've seen the pier actually goes through the concrete pad and they have, you know, a little bit of isolation going in there. Um, so you can still isolate the pier at that point in a solid floor, or I've seen some people literally just bolt right into the concrete. Uh, the, yeah, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it on a solid floor. Um, you can isolate the pier. Like I said, uh, it's less construction because you're just putting down one pad. Um, but you are going to get that heat build up during the day, especially those of us who are here in the desert. Um, that concrete's just going to suck the heat up and it's going to release that during the night. And that might affect your seeing conditions a little bit. Uh, mounting, um, real quick. Uh, a pier is really probably going to be the best bet if you're doing an observatory. Uh, you could do a tripod. I have a lot of friends who have tripods in their observatory. It works just fine. Um, It's probably going to be something you want to be more considerate of if you're going to have people in your observatory to make sure they don't bump the tripod. The pier is going to give you a lot more solid mounting. There's nothing anybody's going to trip on, and even if someone does hit the pier, um, it's not going to be something like that to where it's going to be a big deal at all because that pier is going to go onto a big concrete pier that goes into the ground Uh, you can make a pier of concrete or metal Um, a concrete pier generally how a lot of this works is you'd have a concrete pier that comes up to about floor level and then you have bolts for the metal pier to ride on it and then at that point you can actually help refine the level and adjustment of the pier with those bolts that are in the concrete Or you could have the concrete pier come all the way up to the height that you need it to, and then you have your mount adapter on top of the concrete pier. Um, One major thing about that is a concrete pier is going to be a little more limiting in the future. Let's say you want to change something out. You can't just make a short concrete pier. You'd have to completely destroy the original pier and then make it to the new height. So, if you just have a concrete pier that kind of comes up to floor height, you can then get metal piers made to whatever height you're going to need it to be at that point. So, I usually recommend a metal pier um, and then just get it at whatever height that you need it for your particular system. Uh, like I said, tripods can also be used. It's harder to isolate those. Um, you could use like vibration pads, or if you're not going to be in there at all, it's not a big deal. Um, but a tripod is going to be more sensitive to vibrations that are coming up through the ground um, as you're walking around or you have people in there. And if you're imaging, that'll affect it. If you're viewing, it's not the end of the world. But it's an option. It's probably a little bit more cost effective if you don't uh, have to buy a pier. But, but obviously, isolating, that's going to reduce any kind of vibration, which is more important from an imaging standpoint than a visual standpoint. Uh, here's the... Uh, as wide as I could get the full, uh, Celestron observatory. Um, it's a building, it's a full building. And then up top, they actually have the roll off. Um, I think Pier tech is the one that made this roll off. They, they make these really cool metal roll offs. They're kind of expensive, but they're very nicely done. Um, Celestron has 36 inch diameter concrete piers in their observatory that come all the way up, um, into it from a sub floor. And, I wish I had a picture of it. But this observatory that we're seeing here, they this is where they use tripods. On top of the pier, there's this custom-made metal pad. Uh, we called it the lily pad. Um, and the lily pad allowed you to put a tripod on it that was mount sitting on top of a pier. So even though it was a tripod, it was still completely isolated from... Rest of the observatory on the subfloor. So you could bounce around, walk around, do all your testing, but you're actually not vibrating anything. So that is the roll-off roof in Celestron's uh, observatory there. Uh, Outriggers, this is only for uh roll-off roofs. I've had two or three people that I know at this point have to redo these. Uh outriggers are the support system that the roof rolls out onto from a roll-off roof. And You can make these out of wood, especially real thick wood, but they are going to flex. Uh, Weather is going to dramatically change the wood quickly, and the two observatories that I know, including the one we use, which you see here, uh, all had to be replaced with metal outriggers. So from the beginning, I would probably just say make the investment and go with a metal outrigger system, and it will last a lot longer. Um than the wood is going to be because it's all gonna you know have to deal with all that warping which is going to make the roof really difficult to roll off um so a nice metal structure though more expensive is probably worth it in the long run i'm almost done then i'll get to your guys's questions uh last thing problems are going to change they don't go away with the observatory system um, permanently mounting your telescope removes a lot of the hassle you don't need to break down anymore you don't need to calibrate or realign you know every now and again you'll have to do that but it's not going to be a night-to-night ritual anymore um, but your focus on what issues need to be addressed is going to change um, improving your cable management uh, electric isolation is a big deal um, you want to make sure that you have regulated power supplies You know, maybe in a lightning storm, it gets hit, or you can have ground loop issues. We had that at our observatory. It just randomly happens where a ground loop will happen. We fried thousands of dollars in boards um, on this system that all had to be replaced because we had a random ground loop. So you want to make sure that you're really looking at isolators Um, not just, and not cheap isolators. You know, you want your electronic isolator. We have all the USBs and ethernet on this isolated as well. Um, things that will protect your investment overall in case of any kind of power surges and stuff like that. Because if it's going to sit out there, you want to make sure it's protected and your focus shifts from more of the big typical things to more of refinement, um, Isolating other issues in the system is also what you're going to be working on as well as trying to keep critters out of the observatory as well. Um, You want to make sure you're... So observatories are never going to be 100% sealed. You're going to get dust. You're going to get dirt. The telescope's going to get used. You're taking the telescope from something that's kind of a time-to-time commodity and turning it into a tool that is going to be used night after night after night. Um, And having a permanently mounted system means... You can do longer imaging runs. You can start doing scientific observations because your site is no longer a variable. There's a lot of things that are going to open up with being in an observatory, but there's other things that you have to take a look at. Protecting your gear from bugs. Um, We've had rodents crawl inside mounts before and eat the wires. So you want to make sure that your observatory is protected to the best of your ability because the system is going to get used over and over and over again you start worrying less about the general issues and you start worrying more about the refinements of what you need to do with your system. So yeah, that that's about it um, on all that. I hope you liked the episode. I know we're a little bit early, but I wanted to kind of speed up a little bit because there's some questions out there that I want to get to. If you have any other stuff, um, email us info at skywatchusa.com. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Uh, We definitely appreciate that and uh, leave a like, uh, if you can and uh, yeah so now if you've got questions I'll be happy to answer them to the best of my abilities so let me uh, switch over to me hello um, and uh, I will get to some of your questions let me go back uh, one question is it fine to leave all the gear including cameras in the observatory during high summer afternoon 120 plus degrees in Phoenix A lot of this equipment i find does okay in high temperatures um our observatory is in central california there's no it it gets hot it gets 100 plus 100 degrees out there you know even up into the it can get up into the teens hundreds and not really an issue a lot of this equipment is made to be used you know in a wide range of temperatures so I don't know that you would really need an air conditioner out there. Um, If you are going to be air conditioning your observatory, you're still going to have to open up the roof, regardless of if it's a dome or a roll-off roof. You're going to have to open that up to help acclimate the telescopes to the night. Because if you've got that AC running, and it's 100 and whatever degrees outside, and it's 80 inside the observatory, that's a 20-degree difference excuse me, 20 degree difference between your optics and the the outside air. So you're going to have to let it equalize. And professional observatories do the same thing. They have these big slits on the side of the domes to where they'll start getting air sucked in to help cool the optics to ambient. So I don't think it should be an issue, but, you know, just take caution with it and, you know, keep an eye out for it. Uh, Any recommendations for protecting rails from snow? And ice build up in the winter. Um I'm not sure, honestly. Uh you probably either have to cover them or just pay attention to if you are gonna roll the roof back, that you know, is there gonna be something that's going to obstruct that? A dome probably isn't gonna have that issue, obviously, because the rails are inside the dome. Um, but yeah, you if it's just snow, I don't think it's gonna be a big deal, but if it's ice, um, especially when it's on the rails and you're gonna roll that it will affect the how that levels out um, so I'm not the best person to ask for that because I'm not sure but I'm sure there are ways you could deal with that um, as an occupant of a, the desert region uh, where silt can get uh, in your colon if you don't have, just, uh, how does one keep equipment dust free you don't Dust is everywhere, and you will not keep your telescope in some mint-conditioned, dust-free environment in an observatory. If it's going to be open night after night, it's going to get a nice layer of dirt on it, too. I kind of see that as a badge of honor because you're using it. That's what it's meant to do. Um, yeah, lenses and mirrors, they're going to get dirty. Um, you'll probably want to clean that optic system at least once a year at that point. But it's really not going to affect anything for the most part. But um, that's a good question. But you, are, if you're worried about keeping your equipment in immaculate condition, don't put it in an observatory uh, because it's going to get dirty. Um, every night that that thing's opened and being used, just because it's dark doesn't mean the dust goes away. Our telescope is covered in dust. You run your finger down it, it would look disgusting. It probably makes some of you faint um but in all honesty it's a tool we're using it to do observations and it's clean enough to do those observations so that's all that matters at that point but yeah about once a year probably clean the optics off um that's just something you have to keep an eye on uh let's see the celestron observatory anywhere the design is viewable i don't know um probably somewhere in celestron it's it's literally like a building And then they have a raised floor inside the building, and then they cut the roof open. And then, so a section of the observatory floor, the floor is actually below the roof. It's about the subfloor. So there's the concrete floor, the subfloor where you're walking on, and then there's like the roof. So the subfloor is probably a good six or seven feet above the actual concrete pad that is the ground. Uh, so you walk up some stairs, then you have the subfloor, then the pier comes up through the subfloor, and then you have the roof up here, so uh, that's kind of how I explain it, but I don't have a drawing or any better pictures at that point. Uh, What about a doghouse style uh, for remote imaging? I don't know enough about that uh, design to really comment on the doghouse design. I'm I'm assuming it's kind of like this and opens up. I think that's how that works. Uh, might be kind of hard to do a rollout or a, automate the roof that way, but you know, it's it's done. Uh, but I think that's what a doghouse style is, but I don't know for certain. If it's on your property, the biggest issue that you're gonna have is opening the roof, regardless of the design. You just have to have some way to open it. So if you're just doing remote imaging from your backyard, go out and open the roof and then go out and close the roof. It doesn't technically need to be automated. The only time you really need automation is when you're just not there at all. Um, and that's where I'd probably go with more of a typical roll-off roof or dome-ish. But at that point, if you have an, a remote observatory, you're either in with a group and you're inside of a big remote system on someone's shared system Or you have the ability to really put some money into it and make it a serious observatory. Um, Can a roll-off roof observatory be built on a floating concrete slab as opposed to, say, a foundation below the frost line? Is it in the cold weather? Uh, I I should have asked a buddy of mine. He just did this. Um, His concrete goes pretty far down. Um, But I don't know how he did the piers. Um, I think his pier goes all the way through. So it is isolated from that and goes down way into the ground several feet. Um, I think a lot of these can use a floating pad. um, But I'm not sure. That's a good question. Um, I would check with whoever um, you might be working with to build the observatory and get their opinion on it. That's a good question, though. Uh, how could the concrete floor slab get that much hot if it's completely covered by the observatory building itself? Um, if it's exposed to the side, it's one side is going to get hit with more light than another. So just because most of the pad is actually covered by the observatory, you still get hit from the side from the sun. So it's still going to heat up some of the concrete. It's not a big deal. Um, it's just a note, uh, The big thing about the flooring is more the isolation of the telescope itself, so making sure the pier is separate from the main floor to to damp any kind of vibration. And that's probably extremely minor in most amateur level uh, stuff at that point. A lot of our telescopes don't weigh that much. and a lot of us, quite frankly, are shooting wide field stuff. If you're doing real narrow stuff, real long exposure, and you're going to be bouncing around in the observatory or have people in there, that might be something. Um, a big reason why um, a lot of professional observatories have a really well isolated pier is because as that big dome moves, it sends vibrations through and, Can shake a bunch of things as that real heavy observatory is rotating around the telescope it's probably not as big of a deal on amateur level but it's still a good uh, rule of thumb to approach it that way Uh, any advice on keeping geckos out um not the roof is open they're just gonna get in i guess i mean when the roof is closed you could have like chicken wire you know real fine mesh over any kind of opening But, yeah, the minute the roof is open, it's kind of fair game on whatever can get inside of there. So, you just want to make sure your equipment, you know, particularly like your mount or any access inside of the system is reduced as much as possible. But, you know, there's no way you completely seal up an observatory um, from the outside world. Because the minute the roof is open, it's the outside world. So... It's kind of a hard one to completely eliminate that, but you can, you know, reduce it to the best of your ability um, if you can. But that's really just trying to keep stuff off the telescope. But if they're going to get in, they're going to get in. That's just like your house, but you can mitigate it by sealing it up as best as possible. Well, it is 11 o'clock and that is pretty much wraps it up for us today. I hope this was a, uh, it was a popular episode. One of our, biggest counts uh here but uh, i hope some of this information was helpful for all of you uh, and uh good luck if you're going to be doing a future observatory uh next week we're gonna have my buddy uh, gil Esquierdo back on he was with us about a month or two ago and we had all kinds of dumb technical issues um during his episode which was kind of embarrassing but uh we have our fancy new computer which we've been running the last couple episodes. And from what I understand, no one has seen a hiccup on it because we bought it specifically to do this. Um, So now that we've got that figured out, we can finally have guests on and have it run super smooth. So Gil's gonna be on with us next week. He uh, works for the Whipple Observatory as a telescope operator for the 60 inch telescope up there. Um, Knows a lot about observatories too. He does uh follow-up work uh, exoplanet observations for the test mission uh, so he'll be on telling us what it's like to actually be a professional telescope operator i believe he'll be reporting from the mountain um, as well I, I think that's where he's going to be um, but we'll learn about exoplanet research what it's like to uh, basically be a professional telescope operator and what the difference is between a telescope operator and a astronomer because it's a big difference so Uh, Other than that, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we will see you guys next weekend. Have a safe weekend, and uh, clear skies. Take care, everyone. Bye.